Welcome to the Minute Kings. It's Wayne here, and I'm excited to share with you our first episode of season one. Our team has worked hard to provide support for our community by highlighting the causes that deserve recognition. And so we're glad that you're here to join us on our mission to leave the world better than how we found it. Our topic for this episode is Black Finance. I'm so excited to share our conversation with you guys because we'll be touching on things like education on financial literacy, Black-owned businesses, and homelessness from a practical, modern, and historical perspective. So without further ado, I present to you our first episode. Okay, so for our panelists today, we have Wayne Tajay. Hey guys. And we have Devante Carter. Hi. And I am your host for this episode, Wayne Muslim II, and we are talking about Black finance. So guys, tell me, uh, what comes to mind when you hear Black finance? What comes to mind when I hear Black finance? Uh, financial literacy comes to my mind. Well, for me, Black finance is like the Black culture that you have when you're in the community as a Black person, like what it does and how it helps you and like what it does to you as a Black person. So it's more like how to manage money as a Black person for me. Black yeah. finance, I, I also hear Black-owned businesses, Black business, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, that's, that's, that's great things to think about. It's a great start for our conversation, definitely, because, you know, um, a lot of the things that isn't really talked about is financial literacy, you know, like some people might even hear that for the first time and just not even um, know what that means. Right. So, like, let me go um, real quick on Google um, to give you guys like an actual like official definition of financial literacy. For those of you who may not know, financial literacy is the possession of the skills, um, the set of skills and knowledge that allows an individual to make informed and effective decisions with all of their financial resources. So um, basically um, what that means is, uh, you know, you have a certain skill set of just knowing how to deal with your money as far as managing it and also using it to effectively um, increase your income um, right. in whatever capacity that may be. Right. And I think that's very important in um, in understanding and knowing how to do. Um, and I think we all can agree that there is not a single person in the world who uh, cannot benefit from like learning more as far as their financial literacy is concerned, right? Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. Everybody yeah. can everybody can benefit from financial literacy. Yeah, and the most important thing, uh, and this also goes out to like education on on any subject as well, but like. Um, when you're educating yourself or not, not educating yourself, but, um, when you're learning about, uh, topics that you on the surface may not, um, officially know about, it's important to just, you know, just know that like you hold a perspective that no one else has, right? So you may come up with different solutions that even experts might not know of, you know? Um, and we'll get into that, um, a little bit more, but right now i do have another question for you guys you know um is 
uh, Florida's education system properly preparing kids in regards to financial literacy? Um, I don't I definitely don't think so because it's not really when is it ever really talked about in primary school about how to manage your money and whatnot or about businesses that can like help you out when you're older and you're stuck. And like they just never go over that. Go for it. Me too. I think like all they, like they, they like that's what I found find like ridiculous about it. You know, they taught me in elementary school, but like yeah. they didn't teach me in middle school or high school. I think all I learned one year was how to write a check. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that was that was right. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Elementary. That was just one year, years ago before I graduated high school. And it wasn't even one year. It was was Um, like a brief period. It was yeah. It was yeah. That was the lesson of the week. We're gonna write checks, y'all. Like yeah. yeah. And that's why, like you know, it's not really right to say that they don't teach us because they do. So like, it's possible to right. Like it's possible. I feel like they do and they don't, but. They, as in the system, is right. not designed different by state, give you, Yeah, the system not being designed to give you the proper tools that one may actually need once they are done with um, secondary education and out in the world, you know, as an adult. Um, I think we could all agree that there are definitely like a lot of financial, uh, a lot of financial skills that can be taught well throughout middle school slash high school to better prepare students and young adults to navigate the outside world because shit be crazy for a lot of people. (laughs) Definitely. Um, I don't know. I feel like for me, yeah, like it was just like learning how to write that check in in grade school, middle school, I think it was. uh, And that was it. I really didn't get any much more financial education until I got to college. Um, and even after out, outside of college, I feel like a lot of my financial education is not in the actual school system, was not in the classroom. And that's my perspective when it comes to financial literacy and financial education, because I don't think that we should put it all on the actual education system. Uh, you know, I feel like we, we put all our eggs in one basket when it comes to something like that, you know, and especially when it comes to the black community too. And I think we're going to get into this a little bit, uh, you know, teaching, teaching your children, teaching your family members, teaching your friends, you know, certain skills to just better help them in their personal lives and, and for their families and for their communities. That's just something that you, you just have to want to be able to do for others. Um, and it's a, it's like a, it's just like a value, you know, but it's, it's something that's kind of lacking within the black community specifically but that's to no far of our own um if i'm being honest with you guys uh it is still you know, sad there, there was a there's a video there's a video that we have i believe that kind of talks a little bit about that um and i quote like black people being engineered to to kind of be poor you feel me or to have yeah, a, a and that's and we're gonna get into that um that yeah. video but um what I did want to ask you guys um, is that, like, you know, Tay, like, I don't know, you, Tay, you said that um, you didn't go through that experience of just like in elementary school, of just like, um, like writing a check and stuff like that. Like, no, it was only for like one day, and that was it. Just and one I day. For- no, yes, yeah, so one day. I don't know what kind of <laughs> public schools you guys went to, but it was like a one day thing, like for one class period, and that was it. And I, I did, did it like, like I did it like 
every day for a week over here. I think um, so. Too. I think that's where I came into real quick. Right. What are some of the sources where you guys have um, just been educating yourselves like uh, um, on financial literacy, like your earliest, like um, like introduction into it? You know what I'm saying? Because um, um, Google, because my parents didn't teach me this. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like that, like, uh, what exactly did you Google? Because like, you know, like not everyone like came out that way. Right. Like me, for example, I started on rich dad, poor dad. Right. Maybe yeah. like, probably like many other people. Well, yeah. when you say financial literacy, it was more like getting just, started for myself. So it was like, I, I don't know. I just searched up, like started a savings account, blah, blah, blah. I went to, you know, Wells Fargo, mm. day after 16 and started my own account. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. For me, I think in high school, because I had a savings before I went away to college, uh, I was in a mentoring program in Gifford at the Gifford Youth Achievement Center. And we would have people come in every weekend or like like twice a month and teach us certain skills uh, on just certain things that we may not have acquired in school or with, with our families and elsewhere. And so one time we did have like a financial I think an accountant come in, kind of just give us some game on what it means to own property and to save and, you know, and to, to grow our assets um, and just kind of like taught us about what assets are and just like a lot of like financial terms, you know, to give us better understanding as young black men. Um, but that was it. You feel me? Like as far as like how to manage money, um, you know, how to how to deal with it, how to invest in it. None of that for me happened until like the last couple of years. Um, my roommate, my current roommate put me onto budgeting my finances. Um, like today, I kind of like went to the in, to the internet to look at how to invest uh, like in the stocks and, and what stocks are. And from there, it kind of just like grew and grew. But, you know, it wasn't any one particular thing. It's kind of just as I got older, and I just seen that these seen the this is important. Yeah, I seen the relevance. But like no yeah. one kind of like even like implied that that knowledge was even out there, right? Yeah, it, and it's cool because I feel like at one point you you kind of take that accountability for yourself though, and I feel like anybody can relate to that where it's like, hmm, hmm, I need money, <laughs> or like, hmm, I'm getting money, but it's not staying here. You know, like you know, you just. You have to be a little bit more aware of 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 your money, of your finances, how you're making it, what it's doing for you. Um, you know what I mean? And it, it was cool because as I navigated through those questions, you know, I was able to also challenge the people around me um, as well. And it, it's cool because, like I said, I've never experienced any of that until I got to that point. So most of the people around me as well, you know, I didn't have people around me, you know, giving me that kind of game. So it's awesome that I went through that journey with my friends. That's really um, fortunate that you were able to like even get that um, education. Like luckily for me, I've um, definitely been one of the luckier ones with um, parents that kind of instilled very, um, you know, like a, financial uh literacy education from a young age teenage years and stuff like that by giving me books and um i definitely have um uh, more of a leaning towards like audiobooks because uh i didn't really like find any um organizations or 
uh, programs in person that really like taught that kind of stuff, at least for my age and stuff like that, that was like very accessible. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I kind of like, uh, yeah, that was, that's just like where I, where I come from. But um, you know, like uh, I think I'll, a lot of like what we learn in um, as far as like financial literacy as um, the black community, we definitely like, uh, as we grow older, older, start thinking about more wiser ways to use our money, right? Definitely. So um, I wanted to kind of get you guys' perspective before we like really get into it, right? Uh, how do you all perceive black finance being prioritized on a social economical level, right? So um are we thinking more on like i know you guys like all uh us as a group we're like um 20 somethings yeah and uh <laughs> like you know when we're thinking about like um wisely using our money for like longevity and stuff like that i know common things to think about is like generational wealth um in regards to like savings and stuff like that or investments um, politicians um, in, to support them in um, the legislation that they're um, trying to pass and even like different movements, right? This is 2021. So like, this is right after the hype of um, uh, Black Lives Matter. So um, yeah, how do you all perceive Black finance being prioritized um, on that social, uh, socio-economic uh, level? Well, on the scale of one to 10, I would rate it as an eight. Not an eight. Yeah, I don't okay. want to obsess over it, but it's like important yeah. still. You're talking about like supporting the black community financially um, as like an eight as far as like, is that what you're trying to say? No, I mean like yeah. supporting them as in, like when you mean like giving money to black businesses, I mean like that, if I have the choice, I would do it like a hundred percent of the time. But I mean like when I say uh, black finance, I mean like, an eight on a scale of as like not having to like to like draw yourself in like it's like draw yourself like like someone who's like in a corporate business would like always thinking about it because like and that's just that just ties into something else is like you know not over not overdoing yourself that's what I mean mm, I'm giving to give it a four I'm gonna give it a four and I only say this because this is from my perspective of not even probably being in enough black spaces to maybe even see if this is actually happening. But I don't think that black finance is being prioritized the way that it should be um, in regards to the black community. You know, black people, we are like the number one consumer in a lot of in a lot of different categories. Uh, in multiple industries, you feel me? And that means we're spending the most money. You feel me? So, yeah. you know, just on that merit alone. And um, yeah, a lot of it is going outside of our community and not, never coming back in. Yeah. But, but like, like, that's, I will, that's I, kind of I, like what I wanted to touch on, though. You know, like uh, yeah. what exactly if if there is money coming in, right? Where exactly would that money best be of use as of right now, according to the times, right? We see a lot of people talking about um, supporting black owned businesses, supporting like uh, um, 
you know, like different um, movements and stuff like that. Those are definitely in the at the front of the conversation right now. But like we already know that those are kind of um, those may not uh, those may have some like caveats to it and not actually like help our community as um, as effectively as we're trying to in regards to how we use our income. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that was a lot of words, but <laughs> yeah, but like I swear I had a point there and just no, you're good, you're good. Like, uh, where for you specifically, um, out of all the avenues to reinvest in the um, um, black community, are you leaning towards most, right? Hmm. To give an example, right? Like, uh, yeah. I think that it takes a lot of um will like not willpower but like planning and time that usually people don't have to um to like plan out your life and take count of the things the necessities of your life the wants of your life and stuff like that and being able to turn those necessities and wants and get them from um people like us you know and which most of the time like might even be better than the standard stock versions um uh, that you know people promote so like yeah um like i i guess for myself i would definitely think more on the um political and like black owned business side of things rather than like the generational wealth and movement side of things okay um, but that's just me personally right so like how are you guys like um thinking uh i kind of and this is because I didn't grow up in a political atmosphere or not even in a, in a lot of like black business. Like, you know, I, I grew up in a town where, you know, I was one of a few fit black families that lived there. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Um, so like I didn't that mindset kind of like developed over time for me. And so I do think it's it's more than just either or. I do think it's a combination of all things um, just because even within the capitalistic society of Black-owned businesses, um, when it comes to that, you know, we are putting a lot of money into certain things. And I hate to say it, but even in our own community, it's not coming back, you know, and, and that's fact. Because if it, if it were, then a lot of communities throughout the country, a lot of places would be in different situations than they are now, right? But yeah. that that's why I do think that it it it's on that level of black owned businesses and politicians um, because we the people put those people there and we support those businesses but also in that national um what were the other two and the what were the other two uh uh so there's uh i know that when i was thinking of certain ideas and stuff there's politicians movements uh uh, like Black Lives Matter and yeah. Black-owned businesses and uh, people basically reinvesting in themselves, you know, Black people reinvesting yeah. okay. in themselves you for generational gener- wealth. Generational wealth, yeah, that. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it all goes hand in hand, literally, because if we were passing that generational wealth down, then we would also be kind of putting more effort into those community efforts of building those businesses, putting those people in office that support those efforts that we're trying to make in our own uh, respective communities. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why I do think that it it takes all of that. Uh, I think there needs to be like a double, triple, quadruple down push on on all all sections. I hear you. Um, And that's like, you know, it it does take, it's gonna be a group effort. It's gonna be a community effort, but um, it's like conversations like this that get people to kind of like realize that it's 
it's neither like one particular thing that affects the current state, but a bunch of factors. But I think being able to see it from all sides um, can definitely help us tackle it better. Definitely, definitely. So Tay, how do you uh, how do you perceive black finance being prioritized on a socioeconomic level? Um, you know, given that we have like you know generational wealth, politicians um, to contribute to, you know, black-owned businesses and movements. Which ones do you think we should be um, prioritizing uh, in regards to that? Yeah, I think that the political stuff is obviously important, but I don't know. I just feel like we could definitely focus more on arts, especially like, you know, not necessarily sports because sports obviously isn't really art. But when I say art, I mean like different types of body art, like gymnastics for males and, you know, uh, getting your kids to go to like, uh, I don't know, family sessions of like when they, uh, you know, do paintings and uh, more of like, you know, movie film stuff, because like, I feel like definitely like growing up in like, obviously like a black area is more of like the focus is like sports or just, you know, um, the, you know, regular statistic stuff. So never really art of like, you know, parents going up to their child and like telling them that it's okay to, you know, go to a school of arts in New York or, you know, go focus yeah. on like, the media area, you know, when I go to school, it's usually just like the scientific stuff, you know, personally for me, but I'll just, I just think that's no, that, that stuff definitely makes sense. In fact, it like when you were explaining it at first, I was thinking like, so like black owned businesses, but like artists, but then I was thinking about it more in, in regards to like, Oh, well, like it's really open ended when he puts it that way, because there are many different types of scholarships out there. There's many people who are like making content um, like that's in regards to like art students and stuff like that. But, yeah. Like I, I meant like what I was thinking more on were like were like Patreon people. Right. Like people who go on Patreon and like but they're artists and stuff like that. And like, you know, nowadays people want to like support you know people through patreon um because it's like a medium to do that is that kind of like um what you're touching on are you do you mean just like uh like promoting the culture through art in general i mean like it's just not for me like me being more in south florida yada 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 it was really just the mathematical stuff that was like focused on and never really like painting drawing um you know that session and stuff it wasn't that's what i mean like oh okay so you're talking about as a society like we yeah. should be focusing more on the arts like in education systems and stuff like yeah. that yeah does that still fall into political <laughs> no i mean okay. yeah that like it's kind of yes and no right because it's like after school programs exist right, right. politicians can like stop beating down on art programs in schools definitely 100% right and that would be where politicians come into play in that regard um but like yeah definitely um that is, that should definitely be a prioritization because um you know you're especially, right like that especially that's if you can makes our culture <laughs> yeah and especially if you can you can tie the education of financial literacy into the arts like the way that people can 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 teach children within like the especially like the black community how i mean we're very we're very we're, we get to busy in the arts department um mm -hmm. the black community. We so 
Yeah, so like it's just yeah, if we can definitely put a lot of emphasis into that, um, not even just with financial literacy, but there's so many other like maybe like topics and just like skills that we can probably teach through the arts in a way. So I, I definitely I like that approach and I, I see that perspective. It may not be what I would initially think myself when mm. I'm thinking of it. And I, and I love that because like you said, like we don't, it's not what we're thinking of first. And that's, we should, we should definitely imply that as well. So I, I'll, yeah, help snap to you for that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very so forward approach. <laughs> I really do. Yeah. Right now, before I get into some questions that uh, we have like uh, um, prepared for this episode, um, mm. Let's go over some like different events for you viewers out there that may not be aware of um, of that can happen in your local area, <clears throat> regardless of where you are. Right. Um, if you live near any sort of type of college um, and they have their own black student union program, there is an event that it is very beneficial for black owned businesses um, called the Black Dollar Expo. And uh, this event, basically um, to give a little brief description of it, is essentially an event where people are um, essentially just able to um, come by, uh, if they're a black owned business, uh, come by and like promote their business on a college campus um, represented by their black student, black, black student union. <clears throat> and uh, people on the college or outside the college are welcome to come in and uh, sample slash um, purchase any of the products that they may be selling at that point. If your college does not have a um, <clears throat> have an event listed for the Black Dollar Expo, definitely like um, be that change, be that leader to just be able to go up to them and, uh, you know, bring it to their attention. You know, like there are black people everywhere, you know, and there are and co what comes with it is uh, like, you know, uh, black businesses and you know, what better way to support than creating events that support them, you know, even if you don't have the financial means. So yeah, keep that in mind. Um, if your um, if your university or college does not have a black student union, then bro, you got a lot more things to be worrying about than like black owned businesses, bro. Like, um, you're right, you're just, right. and I would just like leave it at that. <laughs> All right, cool. So before we get into our community questions for the episode, we have a short trivia for our listeners. Try your best to guess the correct answer to these questions about black finance. Who is the first black man and woman to become billionaires in the US? The federal minimum wage was introduced in 1938 at the rate of 25 cents per hour, equivalent to $4.06 in 2020. By 1950, the minimum wage has risen to 75 cents per hour. The purchasing power of the federal minimum wage has fluctuated. It was highest in 1968 when it was $1.60 per hour, equivalent to $11.91 in 2020 now. What is the national minimum wage in the US right now? What is the national minimum wage in Florida right now? Last question. The Tulsa Race Massacre is a tragic event where a white mob descended on the black section of blank. And during a deadly rampage, 
burned more than a thousand homes, looted hundreds of others, and destroyed a thriving business district that so famously is referred to as Black Wall Street to this day. When and where did this event occur in the US? Check your answers at the end of the episode to see if you guessed correctly. Now back to our episode where we answer some questions from our community about the topic. Right, welcome back everyone. So um, we're gonna go ahead and get right into our questions for this episode. So um, these are the questions that we as a group kind of thought about and kind of like um, really thought would be interesting topics to just like dive into uh, amongst each other. Just because we have three different perspectives came from three different places and we're at three different places currently and um yeah so like let's just get right into it so um right now our first question is are public figures and celebrities good role models to aspire to financially um so who wants to start that off i'll start off i want to say and i guess i'll play devil's advocate uh mm, yes and no um i think it really has to deal with who you are listening to and who you are looking for, like who who you are looking to when it comes to financial literacy um, and your financial education. You know, are you are you looking at, you know, all the celebrities and just saying like, I want that, but you're not looking into like what they did to get there type of thing. Are you doing like that inner research? Um, are you looking at community members in your community, in your school, um, in, your, in your programs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and you know, your peers, um, your family members, you know, uh, are we like, is your family living good? Are they passing you down the knowledge? If not, are you passing down the knowledge? Um, so I definitely think it, it depends on on where you're looking. Um, so True, I, we I are talking like, about like public figures, right? Yeah. All right. So in a public figure sense, though, I want to say no, I want to say no, because even in a public figure sense, you know, you can't really, you have to question all information being presented to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? And you you can have whatever kind of connection you would like with a public figure, be it a politician uh, or, you know, a music artist or somebody in an industry that you just look up to and they're a public figure. You know, unless you know that person personally, I do think that when it comes to financial literacy and education, the like if it's not a direct relationship that you have that you're getting it from, um, I I would say that they're not the best representations to look for 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 that. Um, you know that's not something that is so easily accessible out there. You know what I mean? Like it's out there, but you have to go and look for it. You know what I mean? So I think if it were that easy, then I would say yeah, but it's not. So yeah, totally understandable on that in that regard what do you think Tay? nope flat out because (laughs) flat out out because i don't know i just don't think celebrities like you just didn't look at them to like look up at them like that i don't know just as simple as that to me that's fair that's definitely fair do you guys think that like um billionaires should exist at all um, okay. I know that was like a huge jump, but like we're talking about celebrities here, right? Yeah. Most of these celebrities these days are like reaching that point. 
Like, yeah. I, think that, I think there's a difference between like millionaires and billionaires, obviously. But I feel like there's plenty of millionaires that reach where they are without like um, taking advantage and exploiting people. But I don't think there is any billionaires who's ever became a billionaire without exploiting people. So. I mean, if yeah. they are a billionaire, I can't do anything about it. Like nobody can, but I just, um, I just don't think they're, you know, there's a certain point where they're not yeah. useful anymore. I think, I don't know, because I think billionaires should exist. Um, and that's on the merit that, you know, there are some people out there, they might not be using all of their money, all of their, you know, their, their equity, um, as far as uplifting the rest of the world and increasing the world wealth um you know definitely there can be some work done there but the fact that there are some people who can achieve that status you know i i don't want to say no and then take that away from so many people who are out there doing like the work and right. who are on that journey because they want to get to that point because i do think that even with this increasing like wealth gap that there's still opportunities for people out there to reach a certain billionaire status um in the world do you feel me so i i do think billionaires should exist if if they are billionaire you know that's good for them i don't hate them i'm just saying i'm i right if that's your if that's your tea if that's your cup of tea i you know. think that every billionaire like honestly there's gonna be a point where their whole personality is determined by money like i mean like that's like most of the world obviously but it's like yeah. it just everything they yeah. do do you have an example that you could probably throw out there? Like who? Hmm. Like Rihanna, right? So true. Apparently, she just apparently, became a billionaire, right? Yeah. Apparently, she just became a billionaire, and uh, I remember she started this uh, this foundation. I think it was named after her her mother, after someone in her family. Uh, it's a foundation in Barbados, and she's been doing humanitarian work for years now years and this is before she started Fenty you know what I mean and before she started the lingerie uh line as well so yeah I don't know that that's like an example of somebody that I see who kind of is like who's done that work you know is she using all of her income and putting it into that maybe not but it's like who am I to say that she can't do that that's that's her that's her product you know what I mean and she's actually doing something with her platform Right. I was actually going to bring that up, you know, like people who are millionaires and billionaires. Some people may not know this, but like um, when you um, what you call it, when you have a certain amount of not have a certain amount of income, but like any um, income that you make, uh, at least in the United States, you can get like deductibles done by, you know, donating to nonprofit charities um, and doing different things uh, of that sort. So like, I definitely would would definitely believe that like, you know, people get tax write-offs when they're millionaires and billionaires just by, you know, doing that kind of stuff, paying for things that they're already like just gonna do. And Rihanna is like a definitely uh, perfect example of, um, of someone who is more of like a phila- uh, philanthropist, you know? And, you know, another person, another person who is kind of on that same like philanthropy kind of status is Akon. You know, he is um, on a project to light uh, light up all of Africa, you know, basically um, energizing the uh, energizing the whole continent. 
just using his wealth for like millions of people yeah um i did want to just uh uh kind of like uh touch on that one point there because not many people know that like um that like for as much um uh I guess I should say for as much as, uh, you know, billionaires and millionaires are like kind of like demonized and stuff like that. Um, where I stand is kind of like in the middle, just like kind of having a sort of understanding that people don't get to where they are by themselves. Right. And, um, but at the same time, yeah, speak on it. (laughs) But at the same time, I also believe that like, you know, uh, in regards to that question of if billionaires should exist, I don't think that uh, billionaires should exist at the expense of um, at the expense of like people literally being like homeless and you know like start starving. Yeah, and that's so, just my opinion. Um, so, so do you think that we could live in a capitalistic society? And achieve achieve that goal of eliminating those problems? I feel as though a capitalistic society uh, inherently makes those kinds of communities, if that makes sense, you know? Uh, And some could argue, you know, that like, uh, um, that like, you know, uh, we're not seeing, um, uh, we're not seeing like, uh, the great aspects of capitalism in our day-to-day lives or like in um, in general, we're not like being taught that or stuff like that. Um, yeah. And I think that that's kind of like, kind of a mute point because it's kind of like, um, um, just because it's kind of like, we're coming from the perspective of like, oh, things will get better in the future. And like, if we're just like, um, if we're just like keeping, keep on going the way uh, way we're going, when people have been having this, these kinds of conversations for years and like decades and like, you know, and, um, and uh, I think we're too focused on like, whether capitalism is good or bad and not focused on like the effects of it and what we should do to like, you know, um, basically like um, not have the problems that we're having, right? Because people can also argue that like capitalism is working exactly as intended to keep people um, capitalizing on the misfortunes, uh, um, economic misfortunes of other people. You know, yeah. there's that like there's definitely room for that conversation. And I feel as though like to say um, to say that like, any other alternative than capitalism just wouldn't work. It yeah. What do you mean by, what do, do you mean by um, economic um, misfortunes of other people? Economic misfortunes of other people. I mean, like, uh, explo- like literally exploit exploiting, um, like different. If we were to look at things like this, right? If a white man, like, if a white business, white owned business. Um, was providing more opportunities to white people than black people. People could argue that capitalism is working exactly as intended, you know, to preserve in their mind, you know, the white race, you know, capitalizing in that regard, right? Yeah. They're not thinking about our community in that same regard, right? So like, why would we fight for a system that 
inherently divides us on those on those like lines right and that's that's where i had the question like when it comes to billionaires should we is it like who is it should they be taking some sort of accountability you know some in their position in the world you know like let's use rihanna for example you know even with all her uh uh filler fillet threat with all her, yeah, with all her philanthropy, with even with all her philanthropy, there's no, I wanted to say like philanthropic work, uh, but it wasn't coming out. Uh, but yeah, with, even with all the work that she's done, with all the work that Rihanna has done, um, you know, in her newfound like billionaire status, you know, I'm pretty sure the way that, she, you know, and if we're going to get really into her businesses and the way that she's running her businesses, she is somebody who is benefiting on the capitalism uh, machine, you feel me? And that mm. machine does affect those people that we were talking about, the economic misfortunate. Um, you know, would we, should we place some sort of accountability on our black leaders who have that sort of monetary, uh, monetary status yes. in order to relieve it? Um, yes. you know, to, you know, instead of relying on the actual system to change, do we pinpoint certain people within that system who are benefiting from it? Like, you know, certain celebrities with certain income you know people looking at like beyonce and jay-z as like these this billionaire couple you know like do we do we put is it on them i think that uh what you call it i think that is not really um like i don't think it's really anyone's place to tell anyone what to do with their money especially given the circumstances that probably led them to be on the path that they're on right because Mm -hmm. um I think that uh, for as uh, I, I think that there should be more coverage on the system as a whole rather than individual people, mm-hmm. uh, because you know not only are we all as a nation a product of our environment, but we have like systems in place we have systems in place like for situations like this they're just not being like utilized right like for example like i said about how millionaires and billionaires ha- can like get tax write-offs for donating to nonprofit charities and stuff like that right yeah mm-hmm. that's great for the charities and nonprofits that actually get that exposure and attention but what about the ones that actually help our community right right like they're definitely being neglected who's paying yeah. for them yeah Black people I don't think so. That's definitely for themselves, you know? That's why I said, like, as far as, like, who you were looking for as far as, like, financial leaders or when it comes to financial education, I do think it is, like, better to look to those, like, closest to you um, or, like, those, like, the resources that are around you um, because those resources are there, you know what I mean? Mm. There are a lot of wealthy Black people out there. On a state level, federal level. Yeah. But, um, and and it's just, you know, and, like, the information is there um, and it's cool because you kind of, like, develop those connections within your actual local community like right where you're at like yeah it's cool you can get online and kick it with oprah but there's a few little there's a few oprahs in your city and you may not even know it you feel me um yeah and literally like right next door too (laughs) yeah that's why i was comparing the millionaires to the billionaires because people like beyonce and rihanna i honestly feel like you can't be mad at them because it's not the same as someone who like 
owns a corporation because Rihanna and Beyonce, like singers like that, they're not forcing you to buy their music. That's right. how they. And in fact, people are supporting them because they are supporting the movements and the charities and the fundraisers that actually are important to them. You know, black. Like, I mean, Beyonce just, has a whole catalog of black-owned businesses on her website, yeah. Yeah. literally like promoting them. But then, like people, like um, I don't know, people here in my city, uh, Palm Beach. Palm Beach has 44 billionaires that live here. And I'll like live right across from them. So I highly doubt that any of them are ever like gonna like put their nose in black in black uh in black partnerships and black businesses. So that was just like Yeah. All right, that's a that's a good question. I'm glad we tackled that. All right. Yeah. Okay. And like while we're still speaking about like, you know, public figures uh, and stuff like that, you know, there are people like us and um, other podcasters out there like the Wall Street Trapper, right, who literally um, are um, bringing knowledge to their communities and bringing like experience to their communities. And um, we have a video actually uh, uh, about him specifically, uh, literally just talking about uh, talking about how like you know he came from prison and just got put on game to like the stock market and um you know he found that out like through a, a white person in incarceration and like uh in solitary confinement um who committed a white collar crime right who basically told him that he's doing the game wrong right <laughs> and you know like that's a whole mental block that you know black people in general just have to like get through themselves but like once you get past it you know like it's really easy to just receive certain like um information about financial literacy in that in that regard right so one, one of the things about learning is that it becomes very exciting and you can feel it in yourself when you grasp something so i'm, I'm just envisioning as you're learning about stocks, right? Yeah. You're in an uh, environment where it's like, the dude's really trying to learn and are you trying to teach at that point, right? Like, how do you share like all this wealth of knowledge? Are, are people like, I ain't trying to hear that right now. Right. So the, the thing about prison is so dope, bro, like is because some of the smartest people you'll ever meet is there. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm talking about, I say smart, like I got all my, a lot of my tattoos are done in prison, but, they're done with an actual, like, gun. Like, a real tattoo gun mm-hmm. that they made. Yeah. So, your mind, the mindset of people in prison are, they with it. You just got to present it to them. So, for me, I wasn't in the teaching phase yet. Okay. I was learning. I was a sponge for it. But because everybody, like, everybody is reading something. Like, you got dudes reading on metaphysics. You got dudes reading on... Islam, you got dudes reading on Christianity, you got dudes reading on um, 5% Nation, like everybody trying to tap into something. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So for me, I was tapping it. Not real estate is something a lot of dudes in prison tap into. Mm-hmm. A lot of dudes in t- prison tap into real estate because yeah. it's what you see. Yeah. And the rich dad, poor dad is like, it runs through prison. <laughs> 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 like it's run through prison. <laughs> so for me, when I was reading stocks, it was like way different. So I was like by myself. And they were like, man, what you reading, free? I'm like, man, I'm reading the stock market shit, but it's just serious right here. And I would, but I would actually get the paper and read it. So I didn't really get into the teaching aspect of it till I came home. Okay. Like once I came home, they were receptive to it. Because again, not saying like I was just John Gotti or something in the streets. I was just a regular dude in the hood, just getting it out, how everybody else get it out of the hood. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So 
but my perspective was different. So we learn from who we can relate to and who can break the message down the best. So for me, it was simple. Bruh, we like to wear designer clothes. I love Louis Vuitton. I love Gucci. <laughs> I love Prada. Don't forget Fendi. I love Fendi. <laughs> like, love Fendi. And all my homies drank him. They're all owned, well, most of them are owned by a business called LVMH. LVMH, yep. Which the guy is like in the top three richest people in the world. Yeah. So if Louis Vuitton, Moet, and Hennessy own YSL, and they own Louis Vuitton, and they own Hennessy, and they own Moet, and this is what we buying in the club, it feel different when you own it. So I used to tell my partners, if we going to go to the club, why not just own it, and now we flexing different? We stunting different, because now we own Hennessy. So every bottle you pop is your own business. That was intriguing to, you know, like, damn, son, like, real? You got him. <laughs> I got him. Now you got me. And then uh, it was with Tim's, like this company, VFC. Like, they own Dickies. They own Timberland. They own Vans. So I would tell my homies, like, bro, we wear Tim's every day. We wear Dickies every day. Bro, let's own it. And they were like, I don't know about you talking about own. I'm like, yo, like, if you buy stock in the business, you are literally a shareholder. You got a piece of the pie. You got a piece of the pie, bro. So they bought into it. And so once they bought into that, the next thing was, yo, check this out. If you go to prison and you come home, you don't have no money. So now you scrambling again. You taking the chances again. Mm -hmm. But what if everything we hustle for, we put a portion of it in the stock market? Yeah, because that was the initial purpose, right? That was, was the purpose. Like, let me help. Let me help you clean money. Clean the money. Clean the money. Because right. we always looking for a way to clean money. Right. And they're looking for us to have a laundromat. Or they're looking for us to have a car wash or a barbershop. Right. They're not playing us to be smart enough. And I'd probably be exposing the game right now. <laughs> you feel me? Like but, Sally says, don't worry. No yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But for me, it was, if they don't think we that smart, we have the advantage. Right, yeah, they're because they're not expecting it. Even when they great, great situation when they when they kicked my door in in 2010, my door got kicked in. They ramshacked my house. They even took my Escalade, but they couldn't take it because I still was paying a note on it. They looked at all my bank accounts, but they never looked at what I had invested. That was never even an option. I thought, yeah, it wasn't even. A, he not that smart. <laughs> yeah. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. So the initial goal for me, bro, this is how we clean money. This is how we can, you know, get advantage in the game. That part resonated. And also it was like, okay, let's say we got, because we run it, nobody runs through more money than a dope boy and a stripper, yo. So yeah, that was a clip from um, Earn Your Leisure. Uh, that was Wall Street Trapping. Um, uh, definitely spreading some truth there. And you can find them on earnyourleisure.com. They got a YouTube channel. They got their own podcast and they go into an hour long discussion, basically talking about Wall Street chapters um, experience. But, you know, these are some of the people that we were, uh, we're talking about when we we're talking about like uh, public figures and role models, you know, like, um, you know, there's the white world and the, the people who usually live in like, um, like the billionaire and millionaire area. And then there's like, you know, the black world, you know, people yeah. just like, you know, our local, 
uh, public figures and like, you know, like leaders out there just really doing um, doing what they can, you know, for their people. Yeah, that video, that specific video, too, as well, guys, it's really good. Um, I remember watching it. They touched a lot of a lot of good points. If you're looking to get into uh, financial literacy or investing, that's definitely a video that you should check out. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely endorse it like you know there's no sponsorship here but I took it I took their course and I um, pretty much got my basic understanding about the stock market from him um, but you know like that's just an example you know so like yeah maybe don't look up to like so you're saying that you invested because of his influence hmm so you started investing investing in the stocks because of his influence? Not not because of his influence, but def, like he definitely gave me like a, an understanding of the stock market in a way that I resonate with and I understand. Um, like even further on in the episode, he talks about how you can flip your phone um, fl- phone bill yeah. um, and have it pay for itself by that just specific getting dividends. Is what motivated me. Yeah, because I never and until I saw that specific video, that part, I never thought about investing in that particular way, you know, that I could invest in T-Mobile to a point where T-Mobile would be investing in me, literally paying my own phone bill. Uh, And they they touched that in that video. But that was just that's just that's just one challenging like mindset shift. You know what I mean? That was like that's like. In fact, yeah. talking about, talking on those mindset shifts, right? Literally, um, it you know it even goes into our next question, right? What makes the stock market seem like gambling to people, right? That's one of the um, uh, uh, mental blocks that yeah. most people who don't know about financial literacy or, or this aspect of financial literacy, you know, What's yeah. Like, what makes the stock market seem more like gambling to people? I think guys- like because you don't, it's it's not a quick satisfaction thing uh and which mm-hmm. a lot of people are used to you know get money spend it you know i want to see it act right here now right. like i want right. to see that return um and with the stock market you know you are that's that's the risk like it, you know over time is where you see your results um and you have to be patient and and willing to kind of like just put in that work um from what i've seen is that especially in the black community uh with the lack of information about what the stock market actually is i know for a fact when people kind of hear that information they get a little bit hesitant because of the quick satisfaction thing but if you can get over that yeah yeah, if you can get over that then i definitely think that people will be more more inclined to want to to want to invest yeah um you know let us know on our socials guys like uh for all those of you guys watching like did you guys think that um the stock market seemed more like gambling prior to this episode like let us know what you guys think you know there's many different time uh, types of ways to invest your money um like realistically um out mm-hmm. there and it's all just hidden within like financial literacy right so um like there's a stock market there's real estate like you said um there's many different ways to go about this, right? So um, it's all about like furthering your education from what you already know, right? So yeah. how do we get there? How do we like further our education through financial literacy, right? I already talked about, you know, I already gave um, like different examples of different role models and stuff like that. 
Uh, yeah. We already talked about how we got started on um, financial literacy. Um, uh, but like, uh, you know, but I guess going back to that, right? Like uh, uh, there's audio books out there. There's actual books out there. Um, and depending on where you're at, there might be like meetups, right? Like, is there anything more that I may be missing guys like that of different ways to further educate um, ourselves? Um, yeah, again, earlier you said if you're in school, definitely look uh, on your campus um, for like uh, any BSU, um, they might be having an event um, like the Black Dollar Expo. You can go out and get some more information. Um, definitely, uh, Tay mentioned the, inf the information's on the internet. If you have any questions, there are definitely things out there for sure. Um, people like uh, Trapper, you know, have courses out there who are out there doing the work. You know, mm -hmm. there there are a lot of resources out there, and that's what's cool. Um, you know, we're we're one right now, just giving you, you know, a little bit of access and direction as to where you can get some of them. But yep. um, if you know anybody yep. in stocks, um, they teach they tell you in real estate if you want to be successful on. Um, don't be afraid to reach out to somebody in person really like if you know there's a, like mm -hmm. a top real estate agent you know just try to talk to them and they can just help you out and see like how they move about so if you know somebody in stocks yeah don't be scared to just ask them in person face to face yeah if you know somebody investing hit them up hey put me on how are you doing that show me show me what show me show me what you're doing <laughs> uh definitely definitely if you're um, listening to this podcast right now, you're probably living in a home, right? So like, you know, there's many different ways to, uh, like uh, I'm thinking that there's many different ways to incorporate financial literacy inside your own household for like continuous education, right? So like, uh, what are some of the practices that you guys think um, um, that like would help in that regard? Like, I know for me, um, one of the things that I just kept in mind was uh, at a bare minimum level, just understanding how much you need to survive and how much you need to like keep up your your lifestyle. Yeah. So what do you guys think? Um, same. Um, besides uh, keeping a little piggy bank growing up, um, <laughs> you know, your the drawer <laughs> like yeah your your income your profit should not be outweighing uh those expenses or else you will find yourself in a pickle mm. um every time you get paid <laughs> every time you every time you get your paycheck <laughs> um but yes yeah, that that's kind of like and i guess in my family the the two main things you know just definitely like start as keep a savings and you know to keep in mind about that i haven't really gotten much like individual i guess specific guidance as far as financial literacy in my own family um but that's cool because as i gained my knowledge throughout the years you know part of those friends that i was gaining it with were people like my little sister who's just a year younger than me you know uh anytime she learned about something um that kind of upped her financial uh game she, you know she put something you know she would let me know and vice versa so that was pretty cool um, as well to kind of go about and figure out as well. Can you say? I mean, uh, technically, I agree with you because I just feel like, okay, so it's not so much as a, um, it's not so much as having to 
really just try to like wait around. Okay, I, I don't want to go off topic, but I feel like most people like me, I did get like, I was really, I was really into, um, I was really into the uh, aspect of learning about it, but it was just like, when I got to the YouTube videos about like the digits and like the what I saw like the um the dividends and the, like like putting it into like each dividend, but then also at the same time not being sure which dividend will fall through. And like that's what I like like that's what I mean by like people who are like too scared to go into like the stock market because I guess that's like the reason why I kind of like stopped because I have money saved up, yes, but I was like trying to figure out like okay, so like what am I going to need to like, you know, travel to Orlando? What am I going to need to like get, you know, like food on the road? So that's like, I guess that's like, that was like a red sign for me. And I guess I just stopped after that. Yes. The stock market um, definitely takes a lot of like, uh, like research to really get into and really like have a hands-on um, uh, dealing with your money in that regard of investing. But like, um, uh, so like I can totally understand the perspective of how like it could be hard for people to just like uh, even just get into it. I'm planning um, on going back into it because the only look, the only outlook I have on life now is that yeah you're but only getting also, older, so yeah. you might as well do it. Yeah, but that's you know? that's also a thing, and I think I'll, and you'll find this, um, guys, if you go and research about like investing in stocks and stuff, there are certain types of stocks that you can invest in. And there, you can be a lazy trader, you know, as what people would call it, where you kind of just like, you know, give whatever platform or like just give your money and they kind of like do everything else for you type of thing. There are, there are apps out there. I'm sure you guys have heard of some, um, you know, things like ETFs. Uh, but, uh, you know, and I think that that's also cool because you don't actually, and that's what scares a lot of people, you know, if I want to invest, I'm going to have to like sit in front of my computer all day and like, you know, learn how to read grasp that I have no no intention to even like try to understand type of thing but like you know there there are ways around it you know what I mean it's just how much you want to apply to to investing and what you want to get out of it as well um it's a whole world to be honest with you on um, and I've just begun to understand it and learn about it myself so I think that's what's pretty cool about learning about it is that you you do have options um, as well, but I can definitely see how that could scare people um, into getting into into the whole thing. Yeah, but it's not going to scare me enough to stop. <laughs> Period. Period. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, like, we do have like two more questions left. So we're going to try and um, keep them brief, but brief-ish. But they're kind of deep. So, like, we're we're going to try. <laughs> we're going to try our best, right? So, like. Um, and one of them is uh, many Americans are colonizing neighborhood countries for cheaper housing. As Americans, can we financially back equity housing on a local, state, and national level? Or should I say how, uh, as Americans, um, can we financially back equity housing on a local, state, and national level? Well, we should definitely raise the salary pay. Ooh. That's definitely a national answer. The the nat, the um minimum or uh, the minimum wage in in America has been stagnant stagnant for multiple decades. Um, so that's definitely a um a solution we can think about there for an, on the national level. Um, statewide, I do know that like 
or I guess I should say that's like a statewide thing because isn't the um, uh, minimum wage like different every state, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's different per yeah. state. So like there's that, you know, on a national level, there is a homelessness crisis going on right now. Um, yet there are people, uh, not yet, but like, um, but like that can definitely like reinforce why people are, you know, moving out of America and essentially essentially colonizing other um uh other countries just for housing right right so yeah nothing on a, uh on a local or uh local level um oh my bad uh i don't know if you were waiting for me to answer but <laughs> yeah go um, for it hmm uh can you restate the question again as far as yeah uh how as americans can we financially back equity housing on a local state and national level i think as americans the way that we can back equity housing on a local level at least is to support those local programs that are actively out there in certain cities and in metro metro uh politan areas that are trying to provide housing for people who are uh for example like homeless um i think as americans we can put more effort into um movements charities fundraisers just things that are trying to combat that uh i don't think that i hear enough about it it's sad that i can't even bring up an actual organization that's specifically like trying to do that when it comes to housing because there are some out there you know Mm -hmm. um but i think it would be cool to see that more so on the forefront um of people with uh people with the power to to do something about it um and that's cool because that question is making me think about it myself yeah that's okay honestly we don't have to we don't have to have all the answers we have google right here no literally yeah no yeah no, no but yeah like that's what i'm thinking about you know like housing local housing projects that uh you know, communities can can put all their their effort into because those are that's what's going to get people off of our streets and our specific communities like those programs. Um, there's a few here in my county that I did some volunteering for when I was in high school. And while those programs would provide classes for parents, uh, they provided little like uh, classes for the actual kids while they watch them. And they, you know, we got to do cool things uh just little like some it was like summer school and i was a student the first year and a teacher the next uh and it was held within this building and the building was a resource center it was a thrift shop and it was also a food store you know so families could come and they would help you at the resource center with things like housing um families would come and you would get that assistance but you know it was also a thrift store where people in the community would bring stuff to donate and, and this is a program would, I, or organization? This is, a, this is an organization. Um, they were called The Harvest when I was a part uh, of the organization, but they've evolved into the Up Center and they have three locations, I believe, in Orlando, um, their second location in Vero Beach, and I believe their third, don't quote me on this, it might be Tampa, um, Tampa or Fort Pierce. But it was, it's cool to kind of see that organization starting as a local organization at that grow you know so large you know what i mean they they went through a whole rebranding and everything but the mission's always been the same they're still doing the same work today um and 
as somebody who was like a part of that program, um, you know, it, it was cool to like be a part of something like that. But it, as an adult, you know, it's been years since I was involved in that. You know, I don't see programs like that, like being pushed, uh, you know, in like mainstream media. So I think that that's what. Yeah, it's really I'd great like that you had that it, experience yeah. and able to like share it here, you know? Yeah. And, you know, like it's really like, it's really like not, not a thing that like, uh, 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 that like, not, not a thing, but like, you know, it's okay to like, honestly, just like not know about these programs because we do come from a place of privilege on all, on all levels. Like, you know, like not all of, like we might, um, like be uh, uh, be relatively like a uh, difference uh, amongst like the people in our uh, community, yeah, on an economic level. But like at the same time, we all are in America, and we're all privileged in that, you know. And yeah. um, that can leave some blind spots like this, you know. When I think about um, helping out uh, homeless people, I've had my go-to has always been just like going to uh, um, not. Uh, uh, the programs uh, in South Florida where you help feed the homeless, and I never yeah. once thought about like how we can get them homes, right? Like, and that's like um, uh, that's something that like I think is worth you know going uh, going into research for, right? So like, yeah. Um, uh, did you have anything to? I don't. Sorry about the homeless talking now. What was that? I have no opinion on this part. Okay. No honesty. Okay, that's fair. Um, like, uh, right now, we are just uh, going ahead and, like, researching this now, you know, since, like, we're um, obviously uh, underqualified to be, like, uh, talking, about, uh, talking about this stuff as none of us are, like, uh, homeless. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I came across is the U.S. Department of Housing and uh, Urban Development. Um, uh, this was like uh, something that I didn't think even like uh, uh, existed amongst like all of the other ones uh, that I see here, such as like National Low Income Housing um, uh, Coalition, the National Housing Conference, Habitat for Humanity, um, volunteers of uh, America. Yeah, but like that's the thing, um, because like my f I've I've come from a low income family household, and my family actually benefited from like Habitat of, for Humanity too. Actually, the Harvest Now Up Center um, organization where my mom my, she got my family involved in, mm -hmm. we got that connection to Habitat from them, and. Uh, I don't know if I ever told you guys, but my family, we built a house um, with a Habitat for Humanity. And oh, nice. that, that's, yeah, that's the first house that my family's like own, uh, has, has come to own, actually. That was pretty cool. That was a year before I graduated and, and moved. Yeah, that was awesome. But it was cool because not only did we get to build our own home, but we got to help our neighbors build their home. And yeah. I don't know, it just, you, I think that at the time, yeah, yeah, at the time, I wasn't thinking how powerful the entirety of that situation was. You know, Reality the, check. The, 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 it was a big, yeah. And this is this is really cool because I'm so grateful 
And I know my mom and my family, and I know everyone was grateful for that. But at the time, you know, being like a 17 year old, I'm just doing this, you know, like, you know, like you're not thinking about all the factors involved. You're just like, wow, like this is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people in my community wanted to help my family, like have a home, you know, in the community. And my family grew to want that as well for others. And it's just cool the way that it's set up because everybody in our neighborhood helped each other build their house. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and it's cool because when, and this is, I don't know if this is the same across the country, if you're hearing this, but like when you finish a Habitat house, there's kind of like this little like celebration thing where everybody like on the block, like come and like welcome you home. And it, it's just, it's just so cool because you got the people that's been volunteering, you know, you got like your neighbors there, you got friends and family. So, and, and that's like a nice communal, uh, communal effort. You know, like, and that was the first time I ever felt that in my 17 years. You know, it wasn't until that moment. And my family, we've lived in six different places since I moved to Florida uh, in 2012. So, you know, as from coming from a lot of different communities, a lot of different places from New York to Florida, it, it's cool to kind of feel that sense of community um, here where I'm at, you know, even before I went away for university. Um, so, definitely putting putting those efforts like back into the community um and 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 supporting those community efforts you know there's community habitats there's other organizations that aren't attached to a local brand uh, a national brand that you can support um like uh for me it was the the harvest now up center um you know what i mean so that that was cool that was that's cool that like yeah yeah I think I think that's like profound on a new level, you know, just because like, um, you know, so many times you would hear about people traveling to different countries to build hospitals and houses and stuff like that. And the number one criticism that I would hear from that would literally be that um, uh, would be that uh, when people do go to those countries and they do help out and stuff like that. Yeah, they're helping out the people there in like a material way by like just um like providing houses for them and stuff like that but it's also kind of like um like promoting a sense of like um uh of like not handouts but like that they're like kind of giving the impression that like oh we can't do this ourselves so we need other people to come in and do it for us so like uh you hear that so many times about like americans doing that and like just to be able to have like an experience like that being shared of how like you know this is the first time i'm i'm experiencing someone from america just kind of like uh like kind of echo not echoing that experience but kind of like like seeing the in inverse of that experience you know where like we're actually helping each other as a community um yeah. instead of relying on outside help yeah, and realizing like that. that it was it was an outside organization entity that kind of like set that that foundation. That, yeah. That's what's cool about it because like that was I was like wow you know and I'm coming at somebody I'm this is from, coming from somebody who definitely like challenges the system mm-hmm. currently today and it's just like you know but like that was it was cool to see that you know what I mean and it's the people you know it's the people in it you know what I mean it, you gotta want to do that for other for others um, right definitely definitely. So what do you think uh, about the people who have a problem with Americans going over there and helping um, those individuals? Do you think that they really want um, us to teach them how to build their own stuff? Because that's still technically us, like, showing them how to do something. 
I think that um, the pressing issue in those situations are that those people need help, right? Whether it's from, whether that help comes from themselves or from someone else, they need help, right? Mm -hmm. And if they, uh, um, if there are systems that can build them houses and stuff like that, then there can definitely be systems that also promote or, or educate them on how they can do that for themselves. You know, you see what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to do it, build upon your systems and grow, uh, you know, like, like, you know, now that we know better as, you know, a society and we're like, you know, it's the age of like, um, online and information um, is like readily available for people. So like literally like um, if we're learning these lessons now, like um, then a lot of uh, we'll see a lot of the pe uh, people more so um, not acting out of like guilt or like um, or uh, or like emotions and stuff, but actually having like a process laid out for them on how like to do things correctly, you know? And mm -hmm. uh, I think we're taking that step as a podcast to like be able to do that um, within our own community Definitely. Um, with some of the things and topics that we'll, we're talking about and the call to actions that we'll be getting into soon. Um, but like, uh, I think it just looks different in different in different things, you know? What do you think, Wayne? I definitely, yeah, it definitely looks different. Um, and like, we all come from different places. We all have different backgrounds. So it looks different based on where you're coming from as a person individually. Um, but as long as I feel like you as an individual can see like on different sides and be aware that, you know, um, have that intersectional mindset of, yeah. you know, that somebody's going to have, matters. yeah, some, yeah, perspective definitely matters when you look at it. And I think you'll be all right when it comes to answering that question, wherever you are, um, no matter if you are going to, um, out of the Americas, uh, somewhere, uh, or you're coming in. Uh, and I feel like a lot of immigrants have that same sort of question, um, especially when coming here, um, thrown at them as well. Um, but that's a whole nother topic for a whole other day. <laughs> Are we agreeing that they should help themselves to like? I'm saying that, resources? like, I think that I I'm not going to like speak for anyone else, but I'm going to say that in my perspective, I feel as though both needs to happen, like, be able to happen on some level, you know. Um, and I think that, like, uh, uh. I think that that comes from my values of um, community um, and just like uh, being a community of human beings versus mm -hmm. national community. Right. Um, and I think that like both should be um, considered um, when thinking uh, when thinking about like helping other people. You know, who are you really helping? Um, who are you really helping when you're helping people and why are you helping and what's the end goal of like your help is it for someone's happiness or just because you're you're like feeling guilty right and, like there's no right or mm -hmm. wrong answer it just shows a lot about the extent of how you're willing to help in my opinion well but, I like your opinion But um, our last question for the day, you guys ready for it? I'm ready for it. <laughs> All right. So some would say that the pioneers in Tulsa 
were naive in thinking that they could succeed in a system that was designed to keep them oppressed. What do you all think were some of the mistakes that we can learn from our predecessor predecessors? Um, I think to not rely on the predator to, and especially when it comes to, especially Tulsa. What that was in nineteen what nineteen? I believe nineteen sixties, but I could be wrong. Yeah, my black history. Oof. Uh, but like I, I do know in the 20th century like when it's it comes 1921, to 21 uh, it was the 1920 yeah okay yeah. bet so the black community 1920s like if you think about it the way that we are so easily able to connect with each other uh is amazing and 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 not in any way close to the way that we could have in the past in the 1920s so when it comes to Tulsa, I do think um, that situation, like, you know, a lot of great minds, um, a lot of great things um, we lost with Tulsa. And I do think if there was an outsource of information, you know, like maybe if that movement was happening in other black communities throughout the country at that particular time, you know, uh, yeah, they definitely I didn't have internet at the time. Yeah, yeah, but like, and that's what I think. That's what I think, you know. Like, I think that that sort of context is important. Yeah, and I think that that's what's cool about um, about about today because we are in a we're in an age where you know I feel like information is there if you can find if you're like looking for it. Information is there if you're looking for it, and and that's kind of production the is that's booming now. Yeah, and black production is booming in all areas across the board, uh, in all industries. Um, I think it's it's cool that we now get to create that same kind of community and outsource it. Um, you know, not just on a local level, not just on a state level, not just on a national level, but on a global level. Yeah, you feel me? Um, it's like like a really big collective thing. Um, you know, and I don't know. I, that's just the biggest takeaway that I got from Tulsa. Um, you know, I'm, I haven't really, I haven't really, yeah, the, there are other things with Tulsa that like bother me, but it's not so much about black people. I feel like we did amazing in Tulsa, <laughs> feel me. Uh, but, um, yeah, that's, that's my takeaway from Tulsa as far as what I learned from my predecessor, uh, predecessor today. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Tay? I'm just saying don't trust, don't trust the predator. They are the predator. Don't. <laughs> I I learned do not. You want to def- you want to define predator or <laughs> white people? Like in re- yeah, in regards to like matters of our race, definitely I get that. I see. I feel as though we should not be like um, afraid to even like say that, you know, because like history matters, and you know things are passed down to people. And one thing that's definitely not passed down. Um, as much in the black community is um, uh, is accountability Uh, and I feel as though like uh, it works both ways we don't hold people who do us wrong accountable as much as um, we hold people who do uh, 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 as much as we hold ourselves accountable you know or or uh, yeah, I think I said that right. Did I? I don't mean to come off as like a rude thing, but it's like 
like from a woman's perspective like I feel like they would think that you know you can't really expect a man to help you on like women's issues like as simple as that and I'm no I mean I'm not claiming to be a woman or a man but that's what I hear all the time so I kind of like understand and I hope that they understand like certain issues about like the start of our issues is obviously because of them but I really don't want to come off as like rude but it's just like yeah it like I get what you're saying though like trust like trust is like respect you have to earn it first definitely and uh as a community white people just generally haven't given us a reason to trust and i i don't i hope that like many like white people don't get like upset about it because it's like it's pretty true but i am pretty happy to see there are a few who um who understand our perspective and like they're not taking it to heart but it's just like it's what it is i think like and a lot of like a lot of black men don't hear this or black people growing up but it is okay to mind your business it is okay to keep it black you feel me like and a lot of people get your money kind of way a lot of people yeah a lot of people feel some kind of way when you about that like what like when you think about it there's so many different communities uh especially like throughout decades you know that have kind of mind their business and kept it you know However, how they wanted to kept it, keep it. So it's like, why can't we do the same in 2021? Why can't we voice that and be proud of that? You know what I mean? Why can't I be proud to say that I'm, you know, I'm dressed in an all a black owned like attire? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like why, I, I, like, why is it a thing that I'm promoting my black owned business as such? Right? Mm-hmm. There's historical context to that, and I think we don't take pride in that. They don't Definitely. like it. We put a them on them. Like they're and, not used to seeing that. It's the it's uh it's the pride and also I think that accountability aspect that you mentioned Wayne has to do with it because I feel like you can't it's a different kind of pride when you're fully accountable of who you are as a person. It hits different. Yeah, you know what I mean. Just realize it's a mental flip that you just realize Mm -hmm. that you're holding yourself back the most. You might say like, oh, they're holding me back, they're holding me back, but you're holding yourself back the most. You know? Yeah. And, that, and that's what's really that's what's really cool um, when it comes to like financial literacy, taking that accountability of your financial situation, wherever you are at, wherever you're from, um, no matter what you look like um, or your background, you know, taking that accountability right now in, in, in this moment in time and moving forward from there. OK, what am I going to do? How do I learn more about so and so? You know, how do I create generational wealth for my family? You know, how do I start a savings? How do I start investing? It's how you move the action that you take from there that kind of like defines that that the pride that you get from it. Um, and I think we do lose that. We have lost that maybe. Uh, we Maybe we haven't really gained a full grasp of that as a black community because of all the, you know, all the, all the, all the turmoil we've been going through throughout the decades and whatnot. But we're here now. You say you you feel me? Like we're here now, and that's where I was trying to like start with. I probably should start it first, like that. Like we're here now. We have access to all of this information, so it's it's cool because this is definitely a huge culture flip from then. So you know, I'm just excited to see where we're going with it. Yeah, and. I'm sorry, y'all. My phone going off. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but essentially, what I was going to say was that um, literally, um, 
I wanted to know what you guys thought about this perspective, right? Um, yeah. So often as like, you know, black people uh, or like not black people, I, like, you know, the black movement and such, we think so much about like, you know, the offensive, right? On how we can make money for ourselves, how we can do this for ourselves and, so, and stuff and stuff. And I feel as though maybe, maybe one of the things that like, um, um, uh, what you call it? Um, in regards to that question of uh, uh, what do you think, what do you think uh, were some of the mistakes that we can learn from our predecessors is like having a balance between offense and defense um, because there are systems kind of rising into power um, because of the age of internet, right? Um, like that may be like, um, um, hindering the movement in a sense that could ultimately um, uh, work against us uh, and create uh, different things like the Tulsa Race Massacre um, 2.0 just on a different scale, right? Or a different level or um, uh, conscious dimension, right? Yeah. And so like, I kind of wanted to like, uh, as we close out uh, of our questions, just kind of like, take a look at some of the systems that are rising into place now to prevent a thing like uh, um, Black Wall Street from happening or seeing the light of day again. Uh, what do you think uh, might be some of those um, systems? I, just, uh, I don't know. I'm, I feel like it's very sad because like being told as like black people, um, you know, you have to help yourselves. Why can't you just do it yourselves instead of like, you know, rely on white people. And then we start to do it and it seems like it makes them very, um, oh no, you can't do that, that's segregation. You can't just like, that's not fair. Yeah. Which I don't, I don't see. Right, and that was the conversation that, that like we would have up until this day, right? So what like can we do about it if they aren't even gonna play by their rules, right? So like I want something that I feel like, and I just wanna put people onto game it's like when you're out and about and you're watching TV or you're listening to music or, you know, you are waiting, you're waiting for something and an ad pops up on your phone, the TV, you know, on a bulletin board somewhere. I, I think you should pay attention to how it's being marketed mm -hmm. um, because nine times out of 10, it's probably being marketed to you um, as a black person. Uh, you know, Like I said, I feel like one of the citizens put into place to keep, um, black people from kind of like having uh, a Tulsa kind of thing again is to kind of like increase the consumerism rate within the community. Um, you feel me? Uh, yeah, algorithms so and I, such definitely yeah. play a role in that. And so I think in today's like day and age where things are easily put in front of our faces, just to be aware of like what you're looking at um, and just to like, you know, just see like how it affects you. Like, do you really want something because like, you want it or because some, something is telling you that you want it you feel me right. uh and everyone, i think that yeah definitely everyone can be subject to algorithms and such and i think the main disadvantage that we as black people might have in that in that regard is that there mm -hmm. aren't that many black like uh programmers and like black uh tech people there are there are definitely prominent figures out there killing it for us um yeah. but as a community we aren't commonly in um uh tech companies uh as far as like uh, as far as like i can see but we can definitely t uh, check out like um statistics on this in comparison to 
All right. So far, I'm just seeing a lot of articles about why are Black and Latino people still kept out of the tech industry. Um, and I feel like, yeah, definitely a red flag. I definitely feel as though that's a language that, you know, before it was legislation, right? Now it's programming, right? And like, uh, I feel as though that's like really important to like kind of bring to light because these um, skills are becoming more and more necessary um, in uh, in the age of automation, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just a lot. Oh my gosh, like a lot of like, uh, uh, and this could be the algorithm literally working on me now, <laughs> but like, uh, but definitely like a lot of like articles touching on like not that much racial diversity in tech companies and even racial discrimination um, in like tech companies uh, happening more, more prevalent. Uh, you like this has more to do with like um, uh, sexism with like the um, uh, with at least from my sphere the video game industry i do know that like you know blizzard and them have problems on our racial and uh, uh and uh gender um uh level uh, of just like having a history of like performance in that uh in that regard racial diversity of ethnic minorities in u.s tech 2020 and all of these sources, guys, I'll be linking um, to our episode just for further re uh, reference because we are talking about them. We don't want to like give you guys false information or anything of the like word. Um, we did do our research on um, this topic uh, to we the best of our ability. We're thrown in jail. Right. We don't. We don't need anybody coming for us. This one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to so get my birth that at ten. Yeah. <laughs> So the People of Color Tech Report released today, um, or I should say, when was this made? September 20th, uh, 21st in 2020, uh, drew 1,207 respondents, 53% um, of whom identified as people of color, 16% were black, 16% six, uh, were Asian, 12% were Hispanic, 5% uh, uh, were indigenous, and 7% were non-white. Uh, such as mixed race, right? And uh, that's 53% out of the um, uh, uh, versus 47%, which is basically all white, you know? So white people are dominating the tech sphere, you know, just on this level, you know, off a, off a group of a thousand and seven um, people. So that even that kind of goes to uh, goes into perspective of who's really running the game on the tech sphere. And it's is it like I'm thinking that it's still early enough for us as black people to get into the game, you know, put put you on game <laughs> Wall Street traffic <laughs> and uh, um, and literally like dominate these spaces while we can, you know, yeah, because that, yeah. that'll be the next batch of information that pushes the new age that i'm thinking right and that's just from my perspective what do you guys think i definitely agree i mean i'm all for seeing more black people in spaces where i don't see us being celebrated um or visible enough you feel me and i it definitely is in the tech industry um and you know in the stem industry uh you know science technology engineering and mathematics um, I'm all for it. And I, I do think that's beautiful. I'm an arts person myself. 
Um, so, you know, I, I love to see when somebody is just as passionate about something that I am, but it's in, in such a way that, you know, I, I don't necessarily like register, you feel me? Um, and that's what I think is cool about, um, just being somebody on that other side of the spectrum, because there's a whole world out there, so many different occupations and things, really cool things that people are doing, black people are doing. You feel me? Uh, Wayne over here is a whole audio game engineer. Uh, like, like, come on, like, yeah. <laughs> like get, in, get into it. Um, and I'm just thinking like, that's just cool. You feel me? Like there's so like, you know, there, there's these certain boxes that even in our own community that we put each other in, um, certain representations, you know, but like under the surface level, like it's just, it's just a whole thing. So yeah, I'm, I support it. I think we need more of it. If you're listening to this and you are in a career track right now, that is not, um, of the norm or, or it's, uh, an unpopular one. Um, I I'm all for you. Oh my gosh. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. Okay. Um, what you call it? We're nearing the end of our show now. And um, basically how we're uh, how we're going to be ending our shows. Welcome to episode one, everyone, by the way. Thank you guys so much for um, you, sticking this long. We love you guys. Um, and uh, we would like to end our um uh, our podcast on basically uh, call to actions, you know, because uh, we're not here to talk about whether like things about like played out conversations, like is capitalism bad or not, or things like that. We want to talk, uh, talk and give real education and real information about um, uh, different ways that you, the average person can like help your community, no matter where you are, right? We're based in Florida. But, you know, this can be applied anywhere. So we're just going to go over some call to actions on ways to increase your financial uh, literacy. Um, And one of those ways is reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Now, uh, uh, this is a book that's uh, commonly uh, used. Uh, uh, Oh, wait, hold on. this is a book that's commonly used that's easy to digest for the average person to get started on their way of learning more about financial literacy definitely would recommend it if you are looking for someone who is educating um uh, on financial literacy that is um that is black that's like us that you just want to support um that's in the game out here like uh doing the real fight then definitely check out wall street trapper he has a course um, about investing in the stock market and you can get started that way, right? Um, another thing that you can do if you don't want to go through all of that or or if you're looking for something more, I would say ambitious, right? And something more hands-on and something more mm-hmm. like um, geared towards you spe- personally, right? Uh, join an investment club. You know, there are definitely many communities out there. You can go on www.betterinvesting.com and you can um, check out what hey, they Wayne, have to offer what, there. I'll have what all is, these. Real quick, what is an investment club? An investment club, you're right, you're right. An investment club is literally a club where you and other people um, invest your money in a pool of money and uh, um, uh, uh, for long-term, mid-term, or short-term growth, right? Mm-hmm. And this can be done on all econ- economic levels. Um, and 
um, the easiest way. Yeah, you, and the easiest way to like get started is by finding a local chapter with Better Investing. Um, and like I said, I'll link it below for um, for you. And if there isn't a chapter near you, or if there isn't like a, a location that's near you, then start one with yourself and your family. You know, and yes. uh, spread the knowledge. You know, there's never an excuse for you not to learn more. You know, um, get into it. And finally, another call to action that uh, we as a group will leave you guys with is financially support your community, you know, promote your black owned businesses and promote uh, your freelancing service, uh, like black owned freelancing services to call, um, uh, to uh, to different uh or I, or I should say, promote your personal freelancing services to Black-owned causes and um, Black-originated uh, black causes and stuff like that. Uh, fund different like platforms that are educating in financial literacy in your community, you know? Those things definitely matter and it, it'll take our community so much farther. So like, uh, there's that for you guys. I hope you guys um, uh, like really take that into heart and uh i want to thank all of you guys uh who are tuning in for our first episode we have so much more coming in uh later uh do you guys have anything to say no just thank you guys for listening to us um i appreciate you and i hope that you guys got some nice insight on black finance and financial literacy with the minute kings uh, definitely, definitely check us out. Um, I believe the next episode we're going to be talking about black women. Right. Um, we're going to get into some things and I'm excited to see you guys there. So definitely look out for that. Yeah. Like, like I said, everything in the, um, uh, in the, in the episode will be linked below. Um, it'll be re readily available for you guys and make sure to check out our content on Patreon, YouTube, all of the like. And, uh, if you haven't already, um you know follow us on our social media and we would love to have a conversation with you we have lives going on we um talk on we talk on stereo and uh we basically like bring the conversation to you guys so definitely do that so uh we appreciate you guys and um enjoy uh enjoy yourselves <laughs> Goodbye. Guys. Hold on, no. <laughs> king's doing great things <laughs> king's doing great things all right we'll have an outro for you guys next episode <laughs> yeah we'll work we're working on it <laughs> all right guys bye all right i'm glad you guys enjoyed the episode we appreciate the love and support everyone has given us so far and we will do our best to make you proud if you have any questions for us, you can check us out on our website at www.theminutekings.com. Did you catch our call to actions for the episode? We recommend those interested in learning more about black finance to check out Rich Dad Poor Dad, join an investment club, or even financially support your local community. As we mentioned, there's the Black Dollar Expo. Now here are the answers to the trivia held in intermission. For question one, the correct answers are Oprah Winfrey and Robert Johnson. Oprah has a history of educating youth on the financial literacy, and Robert Johnson is making calls for reparations for black Americans. Question two. As of September 30th, 2021, Florida's minimum wage has, has just reached $10. 
As of October 25th, 2021, the U.S. has a minimum wage of $7.25. Question three. The correct answer is 1921 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I hope you guys enjoyed our quiz for Black Finance. Check out our website for more info on how we support our community. Thank you again for your support. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter to stay engaged with us. We do live streams and respond to our community members daily. Again, if you want to be our guest or you have a business you would like us to showcase, then check us out on our website at www.theminutekings.com. All right, with all that being said, be a leader, continue to educate yourself and others, and create space in your various communities out of love. We love you guys and can't wait to see you in our next episode. Bye, guys.